he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. Hello there, and welcome back to another episode of Bolotified, the one and only podcast dedicated to the sometimes dazzling, sometimes tragic world of event entertainment. I'm here once again with my cohort, Alex Apostolidis. Say hi, Alex. Hi, Alex. <laughs> oh How my God, you? the enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right. I'm all right. You know, another week in containment here, uh, walking, walking a couple of times a day and keeping up with what's going on in the virtual world with my clients. How about you? The same. Trying to, you know, really create some fun virtual options, working really hard on buttoning things down and uh, working, luckily have working really hard with one client who is managing to stay really active for their people. That's really great. You know, how about just giving us one or two of the things that um, they're doing or you're doing for them? Well, what we're doing, because they do for our military families and because they work so hard to provide entertainment, they're not letting go of any of their events. They did initially, and then they figured out what they needed to do. So they're moving forward with their events, but they're doing drive-bys. So our entertainers that we would normally have out there, like a week ago, we had Maui and Moana, you know, esque characters in the theme of a luau um, out there entertaining the families as they drove by to pick up their dinners and their virtual goodie bags. And sometimes it's followed by a party, a virtual party. Sometimes it's followed the next day by a virtual event. Uh, So they're keeping me really busy, which is great because it just means they're continuing to do so much for our wonderful military families. Yeah, that is great. It is great. It's great that they've also managed to create a way to keep people excited and uh, feeling good in this really awful time when everybody feels so secluded. These, These moments mean more than anything right now, more than they ever have. Would you say, would you agree? I agree 100%. I absolutely agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't mind a drive-by and not in the old-fashioned way either. (laughs) (laughs) They mean something totally new now. They do. They do. do. (laughs) There's turning a negative to a positive. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I'm having some interesting uh, conversations with my clients these days uh, because there's such discomfort with this new paradigm that we're in and, and such a lack of understanding in how it works and how we're able to bring people together from different environments into one virtually through technology and through the internet. Uh, and uh, on the other hand, the, the lack of understanding is also very difficult to help in the planning process or in the planning process because there is a real need especially now that we're in covid time i hate that word but that's where we are uh to socially distance even our panelists 
participating in a meeting on stage. So what might have been easy, like uh, obtaining a studio in a city across the country and getting a technical crew and the right equipment there is now made uh, more complicated by the fact that the studio, we need to know how many people we need to accommodate before we can even look at a studio to ensure that if there are five or six people who are going to participate in a conversation, we can socially distance them and shoot them properly in a way so that their conversation is followed and comes across. And that means, you know, just off the bat, 36 feet of space if there's yeah. six of them and at least five cameras because you have to follow a conversation that's supposed to feel natural and it's not scripted and you don't know who will speak ne next. Uh, you'll have some cue, but in order to be right on it, you want to be prepared. And so uh, the need to plan and to have that kind of granular, granular information is so key to making this new virtual world work. Uh, and, you know, so much more prepping as well. You know, uh, I've heard it said that it's by people who've been in the virtual world for a long time, it's the same amount of planning, it's just different. And it's true, it's the same amount of planning, it's just different, except there's one element that you don't have, and that's the coming together of the energy that people are used to that somehow makes things work. It does. Right? You yep. kind of have everybody all together. Everybody's thinking about what they need to do. And suddenly things just pull together. The energy is high. Uh, you're working 14, 15 hour days. You're exhausted, but you're, you know, you're just so pumped up on adrenaline. Well, that will not drive a virtual event because that is not in or part of a virtual event. And that's, that's my concern. The planning ahead is so necessary because you know you have to plan on what you don't know could happen to begin with that could foul things up and then you have the distance of time and space between you and all of the other people you're working with uh, that adds to the oh my goodness the frustration and the nerves and uh, all of the concern and the time it takes to fix things. So yeah. it's, it's really a, it's a hard lesson. I, I'm not the type of producer who likes my clients to learn the hard way. I am not that guy. I am not the guy that says, <laughs> well, they'll learn. But I'm saying that because I can't seem to get across the issue. And, you know, there's a saying, um, you know, you can have everything, you can have anything if you've got money, right? right? But there's also the desire and the responsibility to adhere to a budget. And uh, good business people don't just, you know, flounder other people's money. They don't waste other people's money. They don't throw it away. And it's very hard to to, to be someone who cares so much about somebody else's budget when faced with all of these uh, stalls and issues, you know, not getting the information that's necessary to work efficiently and to work in a way that 
hopefully uh, respects the budget and keeps it low. And, and that's, that's hard, you know, because I don't want my client to learn the hard way. So what do I have to do? I have to prepare and be ready with solutions and also be ready at any moment's notice to show them what it's costing them because I'm also not going to surprise them. Being very clear about what you're offering people and what you're giving people in the way that you contract things and propose things. I'm a victim of, of, of scope creep, as we call it. I think I might have mentioned it on this podcast before. It does not feel anything like it sounds it doesn't it's not it's not a good thing at all it happens it's when your scope of work continues to increase but there's really no acknowledgement and no remuneration for that it just gets bigger and bigger and so we have to be careful of that in our world and especially in this new changing world because People are not clear. They don't understand when you're telling them something very clearly. They still don't understand what it is you're saying because they've not been able to yet visualize it, you know, so they don't have a clue. And then they're going to see the price at the end of the day. And no matter what you said, it's going to shock and surprise them. So the way to go about it is to be very clear up front about everything that's being provided. And then when there has to be additions that are driven by decisions that are beyond my control, it's in their hands, then I have to show them those figures, not after, before, you know, so that they can see, oh, this train is steadily going out of the station, right? And we're about to lose it. So uh, we have to be really careful because that's what we do to preserve our relationships with our clients. They may not be happy that I have to increase things, but I've been very clear about what I'm able to provide within the scope. And not only that, because that's only one side of it, all right? I provided a scope that met their needs when I provided it. And those needs have changed. That's the other side of it, right? It's not just a right to say, well, here's what I can do for you. you. What you do needs to meet the needs of the client initially. And then you've got a contract and an agreement, right? And then where it goes from there is up to you and how you handle it. Uh, you can also get upset about scope creep and you can get frustrated and you can say to yourself, I'm never going to work with this client again because they abuse me. Uh, that's totally a decision that you make going in. I don't think people realize that. I realize it when I do it, that I'm taking that on myself. Um, it's important to notice when you're doing it because it's your decision. Uh, I'm working with somebody out of, uh, she is living in the South of France now with her husband. She's a digital producer. I just only met her a few weeks ago, but it looks like we were, we're given the opportunity to co-produce a project. Uh, and I am embracing it for a couple of reasons. One, I'll learn from her, and I'm already learning. She, in the way that she prices things out, and that is everything is on a menu and everything is a la carte. There is one price to produce, but any other service that she offers is an additional fee. So uh, prepping the speakers is an additional fee. Writing the script is an additional fee. Providing uh, music is an additional piece. So um, that's a good learning exercise 
for somebody like me who likes to sort of roll it in together and have it be one thing. I'm looking at a beautiful face. And it's not mine. <laughs> uh, it is yours. But it, it wasn't. <laughs> we should... but thank you for that. Thank you for that. Can I ask you one question before we move on? Because yes. this is something that I'm finding is very important. I'm going to say holding your client's hand, and I don't mean that in a condescending way. What I mean is it's alleviating fears, making them feel comfortable. Now, when you're on the phone, you're in person with them, they're used to being right there with you. I'm finding that it's a lot easier to do. But in the virtual world, and there's this distance happening, everything good, bad, and ugly that goes along with virtual, the virtual world, it's a little more difficult. Are you finding, especially with your, your bigger events that you're doing, mine are on a smaller scale, are you finding that that's a factor? Absolutely. The distance is a huge factor. A, in our comfort level, because we're so used to it being the other way. Um, B, in the amount of energy that's in the room or in, uh, that surrounds the event when everybody's there, that's gone. And in the comfort level that you have in producing something because you can't, there's something about being in the live that makes you feel empowered. <laughs> I might be wrong here, maybe it's just me, to make quick decisions and fix things fast. You have to be fast on your feet. And well, you're in your element and you're working with people who wherever maybe your expertise is a little less, you're right there in person with the people who have that expertise. Right. It's I, so different. Right. It's part of the training. I was just thinking it as I was coming out of my mouth, exactly what you said. You've become trained. Mm -hmm. if, if you're good and the people that I know who are good are trained to think on their feet and they know how to fix something really fast, they take care of it. So it's almost a different feeling for us because now we're slowed down by that process of the internet. And that's frustrating because now we can't fix things as quickly as we could. Plus, we're not controlling the entire environment in the world. The environment is far beyond the reaches of our control in many, many ways, not just the speakers, but the internet that they're being brought to us on is out of our control. We can only do certain things. And in the virtual environment, that's even limited by the user interface and the kind of uh, you know, hardware it's being viewed on. And, and to some extent, that control has to be given away, at least for now, given up on, at least, at least for now, because we know the world changes very quickly and it continues to change. And um, I think the good news is that it had this happened 10 years ago, we would be out of luck. We would not be having events. We would not be talking about this. Uh, and it would be a really different conversation altogether. So, you know, I'm one of those people that just, yes, it's gonna take some adjusting. It's also gonna make it a bit easier but we have to first, I think, become adjusted to this. I'm waiting for you know, that. Before we start to enjoy, right? Yeah. Right? So uh, I hope, I don't know, I hope that helps you in your endeavors because it's still, it's still, un, it's, it's not comfortable. No. It's no. not comfortable for me either. Yeah. And learning on a and very I, fast, at a very fast rate, but still right. don't feel like, feeling like right. I'm up to speed to where I should be or where I would like to be. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's just discomfort, right. you know. But here's one quick trick before we bring on our guests, and that is always have a back channel, right? Always have more than one way to communicate with somebody in this virtual world and, and have that accessible and make that line or those lines of communication clear in your, your communications with them before. So you're both on the same page. If something goes wrong, this is how we're going to communicate. It's a great note. That's a great note. Are we ready to bring on this beautiful woman? We are. I have to say, I, I love her, number one. I once told her that she's the kind of woman that I hope my daughter grows up to be like. And I truly mean that. She, she embodies everything that I wish for my, my young teenager. She's an accomplished speaker, author, entrepreneur, and I love this, a noted opportunity creator. I just think that's so fabulous. She's founder of the Henley Company, a global event travel and lifestyle concierge firm. Some of her professional highlights include working on site at three. Now, not one, but three Olympic Games, multiple Super Bowls, and FIFA events, which, you know, I'm a huge soccer person, so there we go. She's a big believer that you have to make your big ass to create the opportunities you want and the money you want to add to your bottom line. And I love that because we're all afraid sometimes to ask. I know that's... It's one of my weaknesses. Please welcome the wickedly smart, the incredibly talented, the funny and beautiful Nicole Matthews. Oh my goodness. That's like, who's that girl in the room? <laughs> Hello. Look at you. you. Look at you, beautiful people. Oh my gosh. It's great to have you. Thank and, you. Uh, this is not because you had me on your Big Ask, uh -huh. the Big Ask podcast, not two or three months ago, yep. but because... Nicole is really the impetus and the reason why, uh, well, let me go back a minute. D'Angelo has been saying for, for at least a couple of years, we should be doing a podcast. And then Nicole really sort of was the catalyst, sort of gave me this sort of last little push that mm -hmm. we needed to make this happen. So thank you. You're uh, welcome. Welcome so to the party. Wanna, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm always really um, impressed with your uh, back drop here and I know that Aww. this is just a recording but it is really empowering and it really states who you are she's got her big ass podcast uh branding which is great uh as she believed she could and she did yes mm -hmm. and uh the other yellow little hustle yeah it says hustle it okay. says uh live the life uh live your life with intention so Good. yeah I love to surround myself with just um, just positive sayings and mottos, because believe me, there are plenty of days where you just need that little out of the corner of your eye to be like, she believes she could, so she did. Yep. Okay. We're going to, we're going to do that. So um, yeah, I, I, I'm a big believer is you got to have it all around you, right. To constantly remind yourself. So thank you for noticing my wall. Yes. It's, I get lots of comments on that wall. And the funny part is, is that with my back to it, I don't usually always see it until I'm recording something right, and then I remember it. that it's back there. Right. So well, yeah, it's funny exactly. I actually forgot about it myself and it yeah. kind of blew my, my first question, which is simply about giving yourself permission and what you do on a more consistent or daily basis to remind yourself that it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, to give yourself permission. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I think I'm looking at some of the things that, right? You just yeah, no, I think so. I think so. And I mean, I think it goes even further than obviously, you know, you, it's got to be more than just motivational quotes, right? I mean, it's one thing to read it, but it's another thing to, to do it. I mean, I'm a big believer. And in my book, I talk about this, that behavior is truth, right? So words are easy, but behavior is truth. And, and you have to, you know, show up in your own life and, and, and exhibit the behavior that you want. So it could be anything from, you know, making sure I get on that Peloton in the morning and ride my, you know, 15 miles to start the day. It can be making sure that I've got my hot lemon water to flush out the kidneys. So they say, I don't know, but I'm hoping something's being flushed. <laughs> I'm hoping being flushed too. Yes. <laughs> just um, want to go on the just, record as supporting yeah, the Exactly. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. I'll let you know if there's That's ever. That's the next not. podcast. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, but it's, like I said, it's one thing to have the, it all around you, but it's another thing to, to actually put that into to action. So that's what I try to do every single day. Um, you know, plenty of days, it's not easy, but there's plenty of days too that you've got to just put one foot in front of the other, you know? So what do you do? What do you do? What is the conversation that Nicole is having with Nicole on the toughest morning when she's looking at that Peloton and it mm -hmm. just looks like death? It's like yeah. the last thing that she wants to straddle in the morning. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Behave. And she's dreading, um, she's dreading yeah. it. What is it? What's the conversation? What's going on in your head? You know, I mean, I think it's just, you know, pro you can't, you can't talk your way into progress. You got to actually act your way into progress. Right. And so um, even if it's okay, I promise I'll just do five miles and then I'll end up doing 15. Right. So any little step forward is a step forward. Um, and then, you know, a, a, a dear friend of mine, um, CC Johnson out of, um, she owns a company called CC New York. Um, she has a great quote that I think her dad said to her that said, your hardest day only lasts 24 hours. And, um, you know, and I, and that resonates with me and I try to believe that even on the hardest of hardest days. I mean, you know, it's easy to have all the quotes on the wall and pretend like life is, you know, unicorns and rainbows, but there have been plenty of days where, you know, the, what you accomplished that day, perhaps is taking a shower and that's what you contributed to the world. Right. Um, so I've had those days, I've had, you know, many of those days and, um, and then you know, I think my own father just giving me inspiration to say every day you get to wake up, you make a choice. Life can live you or you live life. And so mm -hmm. I try to hold on to, to that as well. So, um, you know, not always easy, but one step forward, right? Eventually you're going to finish the marathon if you just take one step forward at a time. That I think is really the key is the, the whole baby steps, one step mm -hmm. forward, one step at a time. Don't look mm -hmm. too far ahead. Just focus on what's in front of you. Yeah. All of that has been key for me and mm -hmm. in the exercising as well as in life, you know, yeah. it's just because there are a few reasons and they're logical, right? If you mm -hmm. think about it, why think about more than you can actually handle right now mm -hmm. because you can't do anything about it or why worry about things that are going to happen later when there's nothing you can do. And it's mm -hmm. about really sometimes having to talk yourself off of that proverbial ledge, right? Yeah. And saying, okay, let's look at this logically. Right. Definitely. And I think a mistake we're all making too is, you know, social media is such a blessing and a curse. So, you know, the, you know, if you're not feeling great and then you pop open your Instagram and you're, you know, all these people around you are living their best life according to Instagram, Right. According to Instagram, um, you know, that's that's hard to find motivation because you're like, well, why is she, 
you know, so far ahead or look at her business. She's so successful or God, look at her abs and she can wear that dress or, you know, and so you got to, that has to, the noise has to, you have to put that out of your head, right? Because even if that is ultimately where she is, that she gets to wear that dress and has that company and drives that car and has the perfect marriage, um, you know, one day at a time she got there. Right. And it's just that you can't judge your current chapter with the, with her entire story, you know? And so I think that people often get confused about that or they get lost in that. And they're trying to constantly say, well, I'm not measuring up because I don't have this many followers or I haven't, you know, made a success. Well, you know, yes, financial success is, is, is a great way to measure, but there's a lot of other measurements I have, you know, my relationship with my family, the close friendships that I have, the, the opportunity to be an entrepreneur. I mean, there's a lot of things you can measure success with. It doesn't necessarily come in followers or dollar signs. So you just killed another question. Oh, mine. sorry. But it's okay because that's exactly uh, one of the reasons why I love you so much. And it's the idea of, of getting, of having respect among your peers uh, that being more important than riches at the mm -hmm. end of the day, the work that you do, what you give to your community, the footprint that yep. you leave as a human being is more important, even as a business owner, mm -hmm. uh, you know, than the, the dollar and the riches. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know that's true about you, but speak to it, mm -hmm. if you will, in, in the ways that you, you uh, activate those kinds of initiatives yourself. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, you know, I've been fortunate to be an entrepreneur for 13 years. I mean, I came out of corporate America. I was not fulfilled in corporate America. I, I kind of, I had gotten to the place where I figured I had sort of made it, you know, I checked all the boxes. I had, you know, gotten a degree. I have a master's degree. I'd worked internationally. I came back and got a big fancy job working in corporate America, making great money, you know, took the elevator up to the 28th floor every day and looked at the San Diego Bay and just, you know, thought, well, this is it. I guess this is what being a grown up means. I guess I've made it. And, and it was about, well, it was actually the third day on the job. I knew I was in the wrong spot, but, um, you know, I sort of talked myself off the, the ledge, as you just said, and um, stayed almost five years and, um, and really dreaded it and really just didn't feel fulfilled. And so, for me, starting my own business was really about that fulfillment piece, that it had to be more than just how much money can you make. And, you know, ultimately, if you are, um, you know, if you're, if you're running your business right, the money will come. But for me, it was just having that autonomy, having that flexibility, having the ability to take on clients and projects that I chose. Mm -hmm. um, and then more importantly, just being so available to my family and my, my friends and my industry. And that to me is all part of the riches, right? To be able to, to pick and choose projects and to, and to be present with friends and to support friends. That to me is, that's more important than, than really the riches, you know? I mean, that's nice too. Don't get me wrong. I, I you know, I, I do love a lifestyle, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, but so I'm not trying to run a nonprofit, but at the same time, you know, there are other things to measure beyond just, beyond just that. So, so what are the, what are, what are the two or three things that you do to um, ensure your success as a business person? Mm -hmm. uh, just you know, what are the things that you feel that you do? And maybe you don't vocalize these or voice them often, but in your mind, they're important things in, yeah. in getting or retaining a client. Yeah. I mean, I would say I'll get to the client um, question in a second, but I think for me, when I very first started my business, I 
made it a big point to surround myself with other entrepreneurs. So mm -hmm. most of my most of my close circle has been an entrepreneur or is currently an entrepreneur. And I think, you know, coming out of corporate America, you, you know, it's very easy to work for somebody else, even if you don't like the work that you're doing, because it's really easy to cash a paycheck every two weeks. And, um, and so people who have never played in the entrepreneurial sandbox, it's very hard for them to understand the, you know, they see the like, well, she went and got her nails done at three o'clock on a Tuesday. And it's like, well, you know, because that's when I've squeezed that in because I'm working until midnight tonight or something, you know, so it's yeah. not always so glamorous. And so for me, I think a, an important part of why my business is still around 13 years later is because I've surrounded myself with an entrepreneurial um, advisory board, right? So I have very dear close people that I turn to when I have a business question or I have, you know, I'm like, oh God, what am I going to do? Or, you know, I have to have a difficult conversation with a client, you know, I mean, going to your, your advisory board, official or unofficial, I think is really important. So, you know, I always advise people who are going to start a business, don't operate in a silo. Don't try to pretend like you can do it all on your own. You have to be around people who understand the journey and the, and the triumphs and the challenges. Right. And so, and then in terms of retaining clients, I think for me, the biggest thing was about uh, diversifying my book of business. And so when I started my business 13 years ago, I knew I wanted to do events because that's what I, you know, that was my background. That's what I had done in corporate America, but I had all this other stuff, you know, that fell into these other buckets, travel coordination, personal assistance, um, household management, all these other things that I was really interested in. And so I have been able to now offer my clients, not just event planning services, but a full portfolio of services that are very complementary to each other. It's not like I said, I'm going to be an event planner and I'm going to be a plumber and I'm going to, you know, try to balance those two. Right. But, but travel is very in line with events. And so that's been a nice part too, is how the industry has, you know, fluctuated in 13 years. There are years when, you know, there's a big part of my, my book of business that's events. And then there's other years where actually the travel coordination does incredibly well. And that sort of, you know, keeps us, keeps us afloat too. So having that diversity, not only in terms of business, but for me also, I get bored very easy. Mm -hmm. And so having the like, oh, this client wants travel, but this client wants events. And then, oh, we have to do this for this client over here in terms of household management that in my own head just keeps me um, engaged and interested. I love it that you have that, that portfolio of services that you mm -hmm. offer and mm -hmm. that you've given yourself the ability to do different things on different days and mm -hmm. deal with certain things, different issues. What do you think is necessary in keeping a client you like? And keeping a client you want to do business with, yeah. what's necessary? Well, I think that the, the client you want to do business with and the client you like, are that's a really important point because every young business owner makes that mistake and we take business for the sake of business and not because we actually like that person. And I can't tell you how many times, you know, that little red flag goes off in the first meeting or in the first phone call. Paul with them and you're like, oh, you try, you try to convince yourself, you know, it's like a bad boyfriend, like, oh, he won't be too bad, right? It'll, or I can fix him. I can fix this <laughs> client. And then the next thing you know, you're like, oh my God, no, I get less time for murder. Like, what am I, like, I just can't be in this relationship anymore. And so I think that's important as you get, as you get more experience in your business, you get to 
pick and choose the kinds of clients that you want to work with. But for me, I would say it's clients that are obviously respectful of what, what I do, respectful of my time. Um, and then also have a very clear understanding of boundaries. That's really important because it's very easy for them to start to bleed, especially as we've been much more, you know, there's no division between a work day anymore. What is a work day, especially when you run your own business. And so I think that's important. I think I love a client who wants to have a great experience. I'm not about just a great event, but if it's an experience that we can plan or even on the travel side, like, okay, you've been to... Italy before, but let's do something different that you've never done before. So that to me is always the fun part is whenever we can make something much more experiential than just sort of a flat, you know, what is expected of us. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you today as well, because I don't consider you an event planner. Mm -hmm. And when I was thinking about having you on the show, I thought, well, she's a really an experienced planner. That's what she does. Mm -hmm. She, Mm -hmm. an event just doesn't go far enough to explain what it is that you do. And you, um, I'd like to talk a little bit about entertainment, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, and what you do when you're tasked with dealing with entertainment. Uh, How in the wide breadth of availability of options that are Mm -hmm. out there, opportunities with entertainment, how do you come upon refining your selection and determining what it is you want to do for a client per se yeah. wants to have an event with entertainment. Right, right. So um, I was very fortunate very early in my young career when I was working at the University of San Diego. I was uh, doing an event um, for the university for our alumni. And I had the great fortune of working with a gentleman by the name of Bob Laporta, who was a producer on the Mike Douglas show. And I was young. I was in my early 20s, and he was not in his early 20s. He was much more seasoned than I was. And he was helping us to produce these, these video vignettes that we were going to do, sort of modeled after the Kennedy Center honors for honoring our alumni. And one day he said to me in between video takes, he said, uh, Nicole, this is what I want you, to, want you to always remember when you're planning an event. What do you want your guests to say in the car on the way home? And I, you know, at first I was like, I don't really understand what that means, but you know, we've had further conversation and, and it has been something that has stuck with me my entire career. So I'm going to circle back and answer your entertainment question. But, but for me, that's the first question when I sit with a client, that's always the first question I say is what do you want them to say in the car on the way home? Clients sometimes never have even thought about that. So my goal is always to take them to the very last part of the experience and then work their way back. So for instance, if they want to say it's a, it's a product launch, you know, we want them to know that this is the best widget for XYZ problem. Okay, great. If that's the case, we can serve food that's good. We don't have to serve amazing food at that event because the focus needs to be on the widget and, and conveying that, you know, the branding and the messaging. If we want them to say, gosh, we never danced so much, that band was amazing then again, the menu needs to be good. It doesn't have to be amazing. We don't have to fly in a celebrity chef. We want to put those resources into the band, right? And so by answering the question, what do you want them to say in the car on the way home? It helps us to to disseminate the limited resources that we have, okay? So now if if the response is something to do with entertainment, I'm going to obviously ask them, you know, Number one, what do they want to accomplish? Because I think that's more important than the budget question. Because we can find something within your budget 
it might not necessarily be, you know, Jennifer Lopez, if that's what you're going for, but we can find, you know, somebody who's perhaps looks like Jennifer Lopez or something. So that's going to be my first thing. And then secondly, I always am a big believer that you, Balada, are amazing at what you do. I don't have to be amazing at entertainment because I have you as part of my team, right? And so my decision on entertainment is take what I need from the client. If it's something really, really, really small that, you know, I just don't want to, you know, it's not worth your time. I, I respect your time too much. I might try to source that through the internet or a resource that I have, but anything that really starts to get some legs underneath it, that's when I want to go to you because that's your skill set. That's what's what, what you're amazing at. And you have talent and resources that I don't have. So that's why I think event planners have to have such an amazing team of partners around them because why should I spin my wheels in entertainment when that's what you do so amazingly well. And so, so beautifully, and you know that we're going to then complement each other um, to create something really unique for my, for my clients. So for me, I, love to rely on you. <laughs> I mean, that's my answer for entertainment is, and that's not just a, you know, commercial plug for Balada, but it's whoever <laughs> fill in the, fill in the gap of who your entertainment um, person is, because just as important as rentals or catering or decor, entertainment needs to be part of your team as well. And it shouldn't be an afterthought. Um, thank you for the plug. Uh, I do want to say the show's over right now. Thank you. <laughs> that was all we need. That no, was but, it, right? <laughs> no. But, uh, but I think, um, thank you for all of that. I would consider us a resource of yours, mm -hmm. though, mm -hmm. in our relationship. That's how I consider us. And there have been uh, times that we have worked together where the vision, in which the vision of the event or the entertainment came from you and through discussions that you've had with the client. Mm -hmm. And in those cases, in, 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 that, in that particular case uh, that I'm thinking of right now, uh, there was particular messaging involved and the particular need for a storyline. Mm -hmm. And um, you, you definitely partook in the process of creating the visual and the story that we then helped to implement yep. and I directed. Yep. But so what, what, what was it that helped you to make the decisions on how to bring that together other than using me? And I know I was mm -hmm. a huge help. Yes, of course. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to always be, you know, I don't want to be a planner who just turns that over and goes, all right, Balada, you know, you guys figure it out. Give us some entertainment. I mean, it is definitely a collaborative experience. Um, I want to come to you with as much information as I can, because, you know, the sky's the limit with entertainment. So you guys could absolutely be spinning your wheels if I don't give you enough insight into my vision, the client's vision, being very realistic with budget, I think that's, you know, that's unfair to, to go to a vendor who's, who's one of your partners and try to do the like, well, I'm not really sure. I don't know. I mean, everybody has a sense. I mean, are we talking about a million dollars or are we talking about a thousand dollars? I mean, somewhere in the middle is a budget, right? So, so it's, it behooves me um, as the planner to work with the client to make sure I have a really clear sense on, you know, what are the questions that you're going to turn around and ask me? I need to come with those answers. And then from there, I also like to give both of us a lot of room to get creative and to, you know, this might be what I think I want, but I want your feedback, your team's feedback on 
yeah, we can do that and, you know, or right. we, or have you thought about this direction or maybe this song would be better than that right. song? Um, you know, uh, not being a, I don't want to be a planner who gets so stuck in, this is my vision. This is what it has to be. And then it's not, you know, it's not great um, because it's not great. Right. So, um, so, you know, I feel like that's a partnership. It's a, always an open conversation. I, respect, you know, your team and your talents immensely, which is why I, you know, would, would always love and welcome the opportunity to work with you. Um, but it, you know, whatever market, somebody who's listening to this in, find your balada, you know, find your person in your market. I mean, even find balada wherever you are, they, you know, will go anywhere, but you know, not to make this too much of a commercial, but, but find your, find your balada, find your team. That's going to be the people who help you to brainstorm, help you to be creative and help you to execute. Thank you. And, and can help you to hone and refine a program and bring it in, in the way that you want it to. I, yep. I, I do, I do appreciate that. And I do appreciate the fact that you're talking about an experience that was created and not just the act of bringing in a group that entertained, mm -hmm. you know, you created mm -hmm. an experience and we helped you to do that with regard to the way it flowed, the mm -hmm. staging of it, because that all becomes part of the story. It's not just, yeah. you know, it's not as simple as that. And, and your, your willingness to collaborate is an important factor of your success because well, for, on a few levels. One, it's the best thing for the event when you when you keep mm -hmm. an open mind and you're collaborative and you and you're open to new ideas. It's always better for the event. Mm -hmm. And secondly, you learn from those moments, yeah. right? You learn new things, so it's smart mm -hmm. as a business person as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and it helps you to create success because now you're taking in other people's that you trust. You've developed a team their feedback and now they become a little bit more uh vested in the yep. program and the progress right. and in the success because they know that what they have to contribute matters so much that the way that they feel it will be communicated best whatever they're doing you've heard and you're going yep. to help them to achieve that it's the difference between working with a choir and mm -hmm. saying, you're going to stand there, you're going to sing this, you're not going to move, ba -ba 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 -ba. and saying, what is it you do best? Mm -hmm. yeah. How is it that we can feature you best when you have that ability? Because right. the, the circumstances are always different, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I think you hit on it right at the very top. You ask them what it is they want their, their guests to say on their way home, what it is they want to achieve, what goal yeah. they have, what, what, is, what is that? Yeah. And when you get to that, which you do, you don't have to always spend a million dollars. Jennifer mm -hmm. Lopez not, doesn't have to be the answer. Right. Plus, she isn't always the answer. Sometimes mm -hmm. the answer is, more, is smaller and mm -hmm. uh, more heartfelt and uh, more refined. You know, yep. it's not a big moment. It's a small moment. Yep. So there's a song about that, a quiet thing. <laughs> Liza Minnelli song. And the whole, I mean, it can be a quiet thing. And in today's world, that's probably more effective. Right, right. right. And I would say also what's important when you're working with an entertainment company is, you know, I never think of you as the guy who can get me a band, right? The band is the secondary thing of why I'm going to engage with Balada. 
I mean, there's a million bands, right? And I could, I could go around you and get a band and no problem. To me, it's not about the actual entertainer in the beginning, right? So yes, ultimately we need to find that right entertainer. But the reason that a company like yours is so important to the work that I do is because it's about vision. It's about storytelling. It's about creating vignettes and moments and quiet moments for, or, or, you know, I say event planners are puppeteers of emotion, right? We get to decide where it goes in the room and when it happens. And, and I could not do that without the talents of, of an agency like yours. And again, it's not about Jennifer Lopez or, or, you know, the garage band. It's about how did we get to that place that that's the right entertainer for what we're trying to accomplish. So, you know, young planners, I, I would really encourage you to create that relationship and not just think of them as entertainment companies, as these people who just source entertainment for you. It's like the caveat, like you're like the middleman for me to get to the band. I, I don't really care that much about the band. I mean, I do, but, but, but I care more about the creativity that you're going to bring. And I feel more, I, I care more about you checking me and making sure that like, does my vision make sense? And is this really going to go the right way? And, and did you think of this? And those are the important conversations. It's not signing the contract for X entertainer or X band. And so I really see, you know, an agency like yours is such a valuable tool because it's more than just what we initially think is the service that you provide. It's about connections. You need to be able yeah. to find the right person to make the connection you want to make. And, right, so. exactly. and, and do it in the way that it needs to be done. And, and I mm -hmm. think Alex can uh, um, definitely speak to this. There are people in our space, like there are in yours, who mm -hmm. do it well, who, under, who understand theatricality and the, and the need to uh, tell a story, whether it's mm -hmm. uh, a rich client who wants to have a fabulous party or a corporate client who has some sp very specific messages. It's mm -hmm. theater, and that's the way that I have always looked at it because I am a student of theater, and mm -hmm. some of the others of us that are now in the in the in the market are also students of theater, but there are those of us in the market who are not, and they yeah. they just sort of book acts or they book music, but they don't have the right sense. They don't have the same sense, I should say, and they don't put the uh, the focus on the details like mm -hmm. what are your demographics who it is who is it you want to entertain mm -hmm. how is it we need to entertain them in this environment with these messages with this set of logistics around us and what are our resources you know we look mm -hmm. to those things because we've always said it's not just about booking a band like you just said it's all yeah. of the stuff that goes around it and it's with the notion that nobody's doing it just for the sake of doing it. There's a reason, there's a purpose for everything. Right, definitely. And if you're, if you're trying to run your entertainment agency with just being the middleman, then I would say your biggest competition is the internet because I can yeah. Google a band just as right. easy as anybody else, right? So again, I'm not, I'm not coming to you for, for that. I mean, you know, yes, to some degree, but that's not my initial reason for engaging an agency like yours. It's, it's, it's all the support. And it's even, we haven't even discussed it yet, but it's even event day when that entertainment shows up. I don't, as the planner, I've been pulled in a million different directions. So I don't know that the, you know, is the green room unlocked? Is the food in there? You know, do they have the right microphone? Like all, your team is amazing at that as well, is that once I know 
you know, usually somebody like Alex or, or, or D shows up, it's like, okay, I don't have to worry about that anymore. Mm -hmm. They're handled. Right. And that's such a gift to planners too, is you really give us just that breathing room to focus on other elements of the event that might not be necessarily, you know, being set up as well as we would want. Um, you know, and again, so somebody who doesn't, understand the whole picture might just say, okay, entertainer, be here at this time, try to find Nicole, she's the planner. And, you know, don't come and staff them on site or handle them. And, you know, that that's a lot more work for the planner um, unnecessarily. So well, and I also think too, you know, you, we build the relationships with our artists, we know the connect, we know who they are. And Mm -hmm. so we could have three people that could equally do the job but knowing them as well as we do, and that's what you hope in an entertainment company, you know the artists you're working with, you know your vendors, this is the right fit. They all can provide the right entertainment, but this one is the right fit for what you're doing emotionally, intellectually, everything. Yep. And, and there's the unknowns, right? We, I love the expression. I know you do too. You don't know what you don't know. And, and in this world, the virtual world for sure, there are things that pop up uh, in the live world as well. Things that will, uh, charges that will pop up that a planner might not be planning for. And so that becomes also part of our job is to mm-hmm. let people know, here, here are some of the things you may be asked to pay for that we're going to need for the entertainers, the writer, yep. right? The proverbial, you know, uh, green M&Ms. But green in M&Ms, our case, yeah. these are, you know, legitimate needs that help them to do their best and just a quick note about riders, while, while you brought me to yeah. the subject, Nicole, <laughs> uh, you know, they do get a bad rap, riders. And you do, I do still hear clients go, ugh, when I say the word. Riders are meant to help the group do the best performance they can. That's what they're meant for. Not for overindulging, not for anything over and above doing a great show. So I say you look at them with that frame mm-hmm. of mind and not worry about them and fulfill them as best you can because mm-hmm. it really mm-hmm. does help the show. Enough about mm-hmm. writers. Um, <laughs> but it's letting people know that there may be costs involved. There may be a cost from the venue that they haven't necessarily expressed to you. Those little things that um, we feel is our responsibility. People like you yeah. know these things, mm-hmm. but um, you know sometimes they escape, right? I know certain mm-hmm. things too. But it doesn't hurt to have a reminder every now and then, whether yep. it's, and it's always in writing, right? Just let's make sure we have this. And, uh, you know, that's part of the game, the service. Yeah. You know, we both know anybody, anybody, if they really wanted to, can do what we do. I think, yep. I don't think I do uh, anything yep. special, quite honestly. It's just in the way that we do it and the service that we provide and mm-hmm. And what about flexibility? You know, we were talking about scope creep before you came on and then you mentioned yeah. it in a way. <laughs> what, if, what about that? What, what about um, flexibility? I mean, flexibility. I think it's just, it's one of those just paramount, just, you know, skills that you have to have to survive in this industry. I mean, even take, you know, take any year up to 2020. I mean, forget about 2020. Flexibility is now to the point where you have to do, you know, a down dog and everything else, you know, you have to be so flexible, but even before that, yeah, right, exactly. Um, You you know, it's just 
clients change their minds, the environment changes, hotels, you know, aren't ready when they're said they're supposed to be ready. I mean, it's just that constantly it, it's, you know, we, it's, there's a reason why we continue to be in the top 10 most stressful jobs as a, as a, the event planners, because the amount of stress and the amount of responsibility, you know, we, we're perceived by those who don't really understand what we do to just plan great, you know, parties, which is always like fingernails on a chalkboard to me, like, oh, you're a party planner. I'm like, ugh. Um, it's come so far beyond that now. I mean, you know, event leadership is now what I teach in my classes because it really is far more strategic and it's a lot more about the return on investment. And um, that's, a really big responsibility for planners um, to make sure that you're, you know, what, what are you going to say to your client when the client hasn't made money on an event or hasn't had enough people in the room? Or, you know, you want to be very, very forthright in terms of understanding what's my responsibility, what's the client's responsibility. But even at that, there's just times when flexibility is, is, you know, you have to be flexible. And, and then hello, 2020, like whoever saw this coming and, and talk, talk about being flexible from just like in-person events to virtual and trying to adjust. Um, I mean, I, you know, pivot is such an overused word nowadays. It's like, how am I going to survive? How am I going to run my business? How am I going to, you know, keep servicing my clients um, when I can't even tell them, okay, this is the day the green light, you know, we have to put events back into the marketplace. So flexibility is huge. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that like, you know, I always say plan, you know, the, the client knows about plan A, the team knows about plan A, B and B, and you hope that you don't have to execute plan, you know, F, you know, on the day because things have gone, have gone sideways. So if, you know, if you don't have that flexibility, if you don't have patience, if you don't have a good head on your shoulders and not panic, you know, and then I would say, well, I'm not sure that the event industry is, is where you want right. to spend your time because it's so paramount to what, to, right. to what we do. But you, some of the things you said really do hit on it and you can, you can plan to be flexible and you do so by giving yourself as a professional enough breathing room, you pad your breathing room, mm -hmm. whatever that is, whether it's your costs or the time you feel it's going to take to do something or uh, the amount of effort something's going to take, you pad that. So you give yourself a little room for some flexibility. And then you really have to learn that you don't have control yeah. and give up that notion. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, inflexibility in this world, you just said it, get out of the, first of all, you said get out of the business if you yeah. can't be flexible. Uh -huh. And that's true. But I would say get out of business in general. if you can't be flexible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because once you start um, uh, foisting uh, policies and issues on other clients that you have with one particular client, one particular person makes you inflexible to so many mm -hmm. others because you allow that, you're draining your business. Yeah. So you have to work on that. And it has to be every time because... Mm -hmm there will be people who will take advantage of that flexibility, right? Mm -hmm. There will, that will happen, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Nicole's always available. I can always reach her. And there, at, a certain, at a certain point, that might become tiresome for yeah. you, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you then have to weigh, 
the value of the client against your ability to do this because you set that up in the beginning, right? Yep. I was flexible in the beginning. This is what they're used to now. Mm -hmm. I can't suddenly become inflexible and say, okay, well, this is the way things are. Right. You'll lose your business, right? Right. right. And, and then there's the other side of that too. You don't want to be seen as an inflexible person, right? right. You want to be seen as somebody who can go with the flow yeah. because that's another thing that we're about today. It's not event planning. Yeah. It's event executing right. because there is no planning. Right. It's more it's like event not, panic. <laughs> right. It's how fast can you move? Uh -huh. How quickly can pivot is one of my favorite words. I'm sorry yeah. to say, how fast can you make that happen? Yeah. And uh, you know, forget the fact that we didn't know it was going to happen a minute ago. This yeah. is now. And that was then. And uh, we don't work at the speed of light. Yeah. But there is that expectation. Yep. But the point here is remain flexible, mm -hmm. right? I mean, even when tasked with it and you feel like your last nerve is on edge, yep. it's still important. Yep, it is definitely. You expect it yep. from others, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then it also just teaches you, you know, you, you pick clients, clients treat you the way you let them treat you. You know, yes, you do get some bad apples and you're like, whoa, I'll never work with this person again. And you may never work for that person again, but you then learn so that the next person like that isn't, bec isn't becoming your client, right? And so you've got right. to always be paying attention to what did I like with that client? What, you know, what can I do better over here in terms of setting up boundaries or, you know, I mean, all that kind of stuff. It's just the flexibility is right. also in learning every single time and, and really sort of being like a wave coming in and out and, and learning what, um, how I want, you know, how I want to be treated by my clients. I mean, it's, right. you know, clients treat you the way that they, you let them treat you. Right. And how, exactly what you are doing that contributes to that is, mm -hmm. is key. Mm -hmm. uh, very key to that. There was something that I wanted to say and I completely lost my place <laughs> in this conversation because I was so given with, with, with what you were telling me, what, what, with what you were saying. Yeah. Uh, but the point is that we live in the now today and you have to have this kind of flexibility to be in this business. And yeah. you know what's funny? Those who have it best, those who know it best are performers. Mm -hmm. are actors and actresses and performers because their whole lives are based on changing at the flip of a switch, um, uh, having to trudge through things, being told timelines that are never met, you know, <laughs> rehearsals right. that go on and on, opening nights that go on. I mean, it's, it's endless, you know. The show has been delayed. It's not going to start until, you know, all of this stuff you become used to not putting too much faith in what's going to happen tomorrow because you really don't know. Yeah. yeah. And that sort of creates an open mind for whatever may come. But then you also, on the other hand, have to have the diligence, as you said earlier, and really the, uh, oh goodness, when you are really steadfast at something and you do it every day, uh, you- Consistency. Insist, consistency, you do it every day, I'm losing my words. Use your words, kiddo. I'm losing them. <laughs> but you're you're not allowing yourself to sit back. You're you're actually yeah. taking you're taking action. You're making yeah. things happen. Proactive, yeah. You're being mm -hmm. proactive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which which is part of it as well. Definitely. What word do you prefer to pivot? I think adjust is what I kind of like instead of pivot. I mean, I think you just need to make sure that you are, you know, being open-minded, being ready to, um, 
adapt. I mean, I think that, you know, it's, there's no time for in this environment now, there's no time for, well, I wish it was like this, or I'm hoping, or there's no, you know, we're not hoping we gotta, we gotta do because it's just, it's, you know, you're going to get eaten alive. And so if you're not continuing in this environment to create your own opportunities and um, to keep, you know, going after new business, even when you think the business doesn't exist because of what's happening, you know, I think you're still, you're missing, you're missing opportunity. Um, so, you know, I think what will end up happening when all of the world opens back up, I, I, I kind of project two things. The first will be that there will be some element of virtual events forever moving forward. So it doesn't matter if we all get to be in a, you know, 3000 people in a ballroom, there is still going to be some virtual component to it. So get comfy with that, learn your technology, learn the programs, or at least, you know, bring on the right partners who can help you in that area. And then, you know, I think also the, um, it, it's about just, you know, we're going to lose this good talent. I'm, I'm fearful that we're going to lose a lot of really good talent because the industry is going to be closed for so long. And so, you know, for people who are just at their wits end and aren't working, it's like, how do I then adjust what I've, you know, my skills that I've learned in the event industry and then take that into other industries. You know, I, I, I worry about the, the loss, this wave of really great talent leaving our industry because of the length of, of this pandemic and just no light at the end of the tunnel. You know, there's only so long people can hold out without getting back, you know, going to work. So those are my concerns. Yeah. The learning curve coming back into business uh, is going to be really treacherous for a lot of us who are still here and aren't going through that ourselves. Like a lot of the hotels and a lot of the venues and a lot of the CSMs and event supervisors at Mm -hmm. venues that are are, are furloughed now. And you're right. They may not, be here when we start up again. Yeah. Also, I think it's the recognition that there's opportunity in everything. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm Italian, you know, mm-hmm. I was raised with the word no, right? No, you can't. No, that's not possible. No, no, no. So it's not easy for me to recognize that, but um, it took practice, but there is opportunity. Just look at the world and, mm-hmm. and listen to people who make money when other people lose it, mm-hmm. who prosper when other people are not, and realize that that comes from being innovative in your approach and thinking beyond what most people think. Yep. And if you become, and you are, you are definitely one of these people who thinks beyond what most people think mm-hmm. because you've taught yourself to as a business yeah. person mm-hmm. and being in the event world where you're dealing with people from all backgrounds, all levels of uh, knowledge and sophistication. And you have to be able to, you have to get along in those situations, yeah. right? So you have to know enough uh, to get along. And that forces you in a position to te- to be learning. Yep be learning and Mm -hmm. you're always in a position of learning and that's part of it right is being willing to learn and being open to the learning yeah 100 percent. it right off the bat right yeah 100 percent. i mean i think it's such a gift i mean especially right now i mean i feel very fortunate because i have been able i mean yes i did lose you know projects and i've lost income with all of this but i've been very fortunate to continue working on other you know on, on projects that are a little further out. And so I feel much, you know, I feel very blessed compa- compared to many in the industry who really, you know, have lost everything. Um, but I think what a gift of time we've all been given to dedicate to learning a new skill 
or that thing I've always wanted to, to learn about in the industry. Um, you know, there's such a low barrier to entry in terms of just A, getting into the industry, but, but most importantly, learning about the industry. I mean, if I was unemployed, a big part of my day would be, you know, learning and researching and taking classes and webinars. I mean, the internet is such a gift, right? And, and I think also about, you know, I'm a big, you know me, I'm a big like create your own opportunities. I will self-produce an event you know, that is my, that is my happy place when I can self-produce an event that I have created. And now with technology, I mean, you know, again, barrier to entry, very low. So, you know, here you and I both are, you know, on the podcast journey, I'm, you know, now podcasting via Zoom and, and, and the opportunity of connecting with people from all over the world. That's awesome, right? That's what COVID has given me is this like, Oh, why aren't you just podcasting via Zoom? Why are you like dragging all your equipment across town and keeping your 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 pool of talent in you know San Diego? I don't have that limitation anymore. You know, COVID forced me to say, look at your podcasting differently. You can't go to people's offices. Oh my gosh, where can you go? I've been, you know, I've now done more with friends around the world because of technology at a very right. low entry point. It doesn't cost hardly anything to have a, you know, an, you know, an intermediate zoom account that allows you to have longer than 40 minutes. So right. like if you're right now and you're, you know, there's so much opportunity that you can create, I think in terms of webinars you want to do, or you want to do some sort of unique experience, you know, and you host that through technology. I think it's just about people thinking differently and creatively and seeing it might not necessarily generate you a million dollars, but it'll a keep your mind busy, which is important because you don't want to lose your skills. And secondly, it gives you purpose and it gets, it allows you to try things that we haven't, you know, maybe you didn't have time to try before. So, you know, yes, it's a scary time and it's, you know, it's scary for a lot of people. And I know people need to make money, but also look, take advantage of the time that you've been given to, to try new things and, and to continue your learning. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing is if you don't come out of this, knowing something more, you know, meeting new people, doing something else. Like I need to be a different person at the end of COVID than I was at the beginning of COVID because of where I've put my energy during this experience. Right. And it's not just a succulent garden in the backyard. Right. It has to be much yeah. bigger than that. Right. Unless that's the business you want to start and you're out right. there, you know, right. trimming your succulents. But, um, you know, that's fine. But, um, right. yeah, it does have to be more in terms of, you know, what are you doing every day to advance your professional ball, mm-hmm. too? I, I yeah. will say that I, I cannot agree with you more. I mean, it really is about taking the time. And now that we've had the time, there's been no excuse. You know, mm-hmm. I was talking to somebody yesterday, a writer, a friend of mine who writes musicals, and he's had ideas for musicals and he just can't get motivated. And he's kicking himself because he's had six months and he yeah. hasn't really been able to do anything. You know, he hasn't felt the motivation. And that's part of it. You know, we're sort of all mm-hmm. sunk in this, whoa, 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 we can't go anywhere. What's the yeah. use? Uh, I get it. I get it. I feel that way too, but um, it's not self-serving at all. And when this is over, the the people who are going to get on are the people who are getting on now. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, the vacation's over. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. that was one week of this when everybody thought, you know, Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, you get to the end of Netflix at some point, sweetie, you got to get back into the game. Like I, you know, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, shame on you if you haven't been using the time wisely. Right. Well, 
then that would never be you. Um, never, oh, never no. be and, me, right? And it goes way beyond this <laughs> this podcast because uh, Nicole is more than just an experienced planner. She's also a steward of the community and is involved in a number of nonprofits. Uh, Home Start mm -hmm. being one mm -hmm. of them. We share uh, a board. We both on a board for Home Start, mm -hmm. the same board, I should say. Oh my words! And uh, she's also very active with the Leukemia Society, right? Mm -hmm. The Lymphoma mm -hmm. and Leukemia Society. Yep. What else are you? Uh, what other, what other causes do you champion? Uh, yeah, I mean, those are the two that I sit on the boards for. So I've had the pleasure of joining both Homestart and the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. So those are the two that I'm on the board for. And then I'm, I'm very involved. I'm on the board of governors for the University Club, which is a um, private social and business club here in San Diego, part of the Club Corps family. So um, I'm part of the um, board of governors for that. And, you know, it always makes me feel like I'm like a grown up, like a board of governors feels like super fancy, but um, you know, they just, they need it. I'm always like, you know, did you just need someone fun to be on the board to bring, to spice you're things all, up? Is that why I'm here? You're all, I'm not a governor. <laughs> Know, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just, so, um, yeah. I just joined the board of trustees for a theater and I feel the same way. Yeah. It's so fancy. Ooh. I know. Right. It's so fancy, but no, I think that's, you know, that's important to, to give back. Um, you know, I, I feel very fortunate for the childhood I was given for the parents that I have the, you know, both are, are living in, in good health and, you know, I've been very blessed. I'm, um, I, I, you know, I've seen a great um, example of, you know, a long marriage with my parents. They just celebrated 52 years. I, you know, I, I feel very, very lucky. Um, and I know not everybody, you know, gets that card. So for whatever reason, that was the card I was dealt. And I play that card, you know, with so much gratitude in my heart. Um, but I feel like you have to, you know, you, it's good karma to give back to, um, and, and to also, it's very humbling to realize, you know, a lot of the families that we serve at Homestart, you know, are, are far from the experience that I had growing up. And so, um, you know, you can't put your head in the sand. You can't pretend like that's not happening on the other side of town, right? Well, you it's can't it's happening. At all. Because yeah. you are also an emergency responder. Right, exactly. Oh, thank you for thank you for reminding me of all the yeah. things I do. Um, yes, so that is something I do as well. I'm a crisis interventionist with the San Diego Police Department, um, and I um, have that. I've done that for about five years, and that's pretty extraordinary work because we are right there in partnership with the officers. Um, when normally it's a, the officers will get called to a scene, it might 99% of the time it would be a death scene. So either somebody has passed with a natural death or it could be a suicide or it could be, you know, homicide, a variety of obviously things. And the officers are lovely, you know, caring people, but it's not the best use of their time to be waiting with a family for the mortuary to come. So they bring in a crisis interventionist and we have the pleasure of, um, being with these families and helping them through, you know, the first couple of hours of their grief. Um, I think it's, I, I am profoundly grateful that people will open their homes to me when they are in their darkest, darkest moments. They've just lost someone and they, they welcome me into their home and they allow me to guide them through, um, you know, a couple hours of, of their grief. And that's important work. Um, and I am always, I always leave humbled. I always leave um, grateful that, you know, today wasn't the day I had to call the mortuary on anybody. And um, that day will come, sadly, for all of us. But, um, but it's, you know, it's important work and it, and it 
has really opened. I was already a fan of, you know, I, I believe police are, are the police and fire and first responders are good people in general, you know, in most cases. And to see the work that they do on a daily basis and work aside, alongside them is, is, is very humbling. The work that you do is really, you That's said, really it's very important work, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. or as, as blessed as you are, uh, the victims, the families of those mm -hmm. who lose someone are uh, blessed to have you. And, you know, the circumstances, of course, vary, you just said it. Yeah. Uh, and so does the level of pain and grief and anguish yep. that you experience as well. Yep. And I'm sure at times that's yeah. quite high. It is. It is. It's, you know, I've been with, you know, a mom who lost her 12 year old to suicide. That's not, you know, there, there's not, those aren't easy conversations. Those aren't easy moments, but it's not about me. It's about how I can serve and be with, you know, and sadly, there's nothing I can do for the, the 12 year old, the 12 year old made a choice, but I can be there for the family. And that, you know, that's important. And, and I will just say as a small plug is, what is always uh, doubly devastating in those moments when I arrive is that the family does not know what the deceased wanted. So my plug is always, please have those conversations with your families, even if you feel like they're difficult conversations, but please let them know that you want to be buried or cremated or donated, or, you know, you want to be buried in your, you know, next to your hometown, your childhood hometown, or you ashes spread at sea. I mean, these aren't, you know, these aren't easy conversations. They're not pretty conversations, but they're so important because what's really hard is when somebody passes and the family's all standing there either saying, A, I don't know what to do, or B, they're starting to argue about what they think that person would want. So as a last gift to your family, please just have that conversation with what is in my wishes. What do, what do I want to see happen? Do I want a funeral? Do I not want a funeral? You know, all of those kinds of things. Um, it just makes everybody's job easier. And it's also less pressure for your family who are in the midst of grief and having to make decisions. So I know that's a heavy, that's a heavy no. conversation, but no, it's my, always my plug. You are so right. Uh, I've already told D'Angelo the black Chanel with the pearls. Yes. The necklace. I like and it. The black bonnet. That's what yes. I want to be buried in. He knows already it's written. So I get yeah. it. I'm there already. <laughs> right. Well, as I recall, when you were a guest on my podcast, we were talking about, you know, all of these funerals that are happening via Zoom and how, how you know, after all these years of you and I being in a creative industry, that like our life would come down to a Zoom funeral. Right. Like, you know, at the end right. of it, right. it's like, okay, meeting ended, end for all. You know, right. like leave meeting. But it's wait, just like, a... it's so sad. Right. So sad. Yeah. It's like an like, Instagram a uh, profile oh no longer exists yeah Bye -bye. exactly exactly but I, actually so, had a, I actually had another vision the other night and it was actually a little worse oh, no. Danzel and i were talking about helicopters and i i remembered that the one and only time that i was in a helicopter i was uncle sam and then i thought oh god if that helicopter had come down <laughs> i had no i had no id it was just uncle sam just uncle that's sam. how i would have been Right, Identified. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to do it the way the Greeks do. Uh -huh. It lasts 40 days. So that funeral has to go on for 40 days while the soul travels around. Oh. So, I like it. You know, you're at the point where 
please, can I, can you please leave me alone now? I want to ascend. Just go. Yeah, yeah. right, right, right. Well, and all the people around that are still here are like, could you just go already? I know, that's no. it. I mean, we, we might give you four I mean. days, but day, like by day 36, you're like, all right, already wrap this up. We love you. Go on. So not so. to belabor this funeral yeah. topic, but I do have a friend, an old friend from home who makes it a point to find a funeral on his birthday every year and oh. crash it. Oh, okay. Is it part of his gratitude work? Like he's I grateful so. that it's like it wasn't his day. All yeah. right. I mean, if you knew Jerry the way I knew Jerry, you'd laugh because it really is very odd that somebody would. Yeah. Right. Or he's just going for the free lunch, you know, the sandwiches <laughs> and the potato salad <laughs> in the church hall. Yeah, that's, that's a whole nother topic, touching the food of somebody you don't know from somebody. Right, right, exactly. Before we let you leave us today, I have mm -hmm. a game that I like to play because I know you like to play games. Oh, I love it. Okay. Uh, and uh, you may already know it's coming to you. It's my this or that. Okay. I'll ask you this or that and you tell me what you like. Okay, okay. I'll start easy. Mm -hmm. Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Mary or Rhoda? Oh, um, I'll go with Mary. Oh, okay. Rice <laughs> or potatoes? Oh, I, I like uh, potatoes. They're, you know, more universal. You can do more things with them. I'm so glad you didn't say rice and potatoes. Yeah. Um, respect or riches? Mm, respect. Mm -hmm. Front seat or back seat? Front seat driver, actually. Front view or rear view? Front view. Rear view, where have already gone there. Okay. Where are we going? You've just said a lot about yourself with that front <laughs> view. More than you know. This is actually a personality profile and you'll get the results. No, I'm kidding. Ah. Uh, Clooney or Pitt? Oh, Clooney, 100%. Salty or sweet? Uh, salty. Uh, more or less? More. Text or call? text live or virtual uh live okay that's it that's, that's the it? last one i totally ah. agree live 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 that's it oh my gosh that's i know it. but come on otherwise how do i read the room how do i like get the energy and the people and the applause and the exactly all the and the hoopla <laughs> la, exactly nicole exactly. matthews owner of the henley company and writer of permission as in give yourself some please mm -hmm. is that still available on amazon it is available on amazon and it's spelled permission as you would spell it in any context mm -hmm. and uh how else can they contact you so you can always reach me on social on instagram i'm miss ms nicole matthews matthews with two t's um also on uh, facebook it's uh, Miss Nicole Matthews. And then um, you can always email me, Nicole at NicoleMatthews.com. And ladies and gentlemen, with that, we say goodbye to our friend, Nicole Matthews. Oh, Nicole R. Matthews. Nicole R. Matthews, that's right. And that makes me wonder. <laughs> mm. uh, makes more, feel more distinguished. Uh -huh, more to come with Nicole R. Matthews. Thanks for yes. joining us today. Thank oh, you. it's my pleasure. You. It's all my pleasure. Good luck with your podcast journey. I'll take a lot of a lot of wherever I can. You're going to get it. <laughs> well, that was Nicole Matthews, everybody. And, uh, you know, we didn't talk about a lot of things, and yet we could have gone on and on and on and on for a long time. Right now, 
you've had the opportunity to work with Nicole as well uh, through yeah. our dealings. Uh, what's your impression of her as a, as a planner? You know, she said something that about, about uh, moving forward every day. And it made me think, and this is what she's a master at. She's got this incredible balance of not making excuses, but knowing when to be forgiving of yourself. And that feeds into the whole flexibility. It's, I know how to make things happen. I know how to own up when I could have done better. I know when to relax. But all of that, I think, is what makes her such a delight to work with on site as, or whether it's virtual or however it is. And she just knows her stuff and she puts everybody around her at ease. She has, you know, she's, she's authoritative. She's a leader and it's always done in a way that makes you want to just be there with her. Mm -hmm. You want to work with her. And it is true. You, it, it's so important to work with the people you want. Nicole is incredibly talented in everything she does and she treats everybody with such respect and kindness. I respect you until you give me a reason not to. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's just, she's just, I've, I've not known her that long, but five, six years now, but I really meant it when I say she is the type of person I would like my daughter to emulate. She is a very um, strong, independent lady who makes things happen for herself and doesn't wait around. Uh, she's well-traveled. Uh, she has seen the polar bear bears. Uh, she's been to, as you said, she's actually worked several of the Olympics. We didn't even touch on those or the FIFA games. You know, the experience that she had uh, in, I don't even remember which country she was in uh, pre-games and the stories that she can tell about their preparedness prior to the games. Uh, incredible stories. So we should have her back yeah. because we didn't even touch on those things. Uh, and she um, said something else. Uh, you know, the, the, what you're saying, she's creating this environment of success by, uh, she's calm, she's easy to work with, she has her ducks in a row, she has a certain amount of flexibility, but she knows what she's doing and she's so buttoned up that when the flexibility is needed, it's there in, in plenitude because she's prepared for it. Uh, and that's, you know, what makes her professional. But she said something else and that is, she said, it's not about me. Uh, and I don't remember what the context was, um, but it was, uh, she was talking about some relationship with some client or something. She said, it's not about me. And that's, Oh, she was talking about her work as a, as a, as a responder. And uh, that's exactly the same kind of sort of self-knowledge you need to have and emotional knowledge you need to have when you, when you do events. They're not about you. None of this is about you. Nothing is likely about you. <laughs> you know, and that's so, very true. Right? And so the idea, the ability to sort of step back and recognize that it isn't is key to being able to give people what they need and be of real service to people. And I notice that in some, you have that ability. Oh, you have, you. you do, you have the, you have the ability. And I, and I think your training is a big part of that because you're, it's ingrained in your head, you know, a million times when you're part of an ensemble cast, you could be the lead and you have been leads, yeah. but it's not about you. It's about the show, right? So you're not going to take that extra two minutes to hog up 
the scene, you know, because it's not about you. I mean, it comes to you, it just comes at you flat out. It's all about that when you're an actor. So you learn how to take a step back and be part of something bigger. Right. Uh, right. Adding to and, it. And adding to it. And not everybody has that same sense. Some people come to it thinking they know more than everybody. And so everybody's going to learn from what they have to say. Uh, and some people come to it feeling like, uh, you know, they don't have to really participate in any way whatsoever. Uh, they're completely closed off. But, but coming to it the right way is coming to it with a sense of knowing who you are, but not making it about yourself. Well, and it also speaks into, you know, the big ask. And, and that's something that Nicole is so brilliant at. She does have the courage to ask. And that does take courage. And if I may so, even more so when you're a woman, um, not to get gender specific, but to be willing to ask the question to learn what needs to make the event better instead of just saying, well, I'm expected to have everything down. I'm expected to know everything. I'm expected to come in. She, I know where I need to ask. I know where I need help. I know who I need to go to, to make this the best event, the best experience that it can be. That does take a level of courage and confidence and self-awareness. It's knowing what you know you know and knowing what you know you don't know right, right. and then sourcing out and making a team. And, and in today's world, um, there, there's no reason not to do that. We, we are becoming uh, an economy built on partnerships and teamwork. You know, the whole idea of one globalized, you know, magnificent company, huge, you know, that's, that's not what the new world, the new economy is going to be about. That's not what our our, uh, those who follow us are about, you know, they're not going to work for companies for a long time. They're, they're independent, the youth of today, and they're going to forge their own, their own ways. And, and everything that we're giving them, the, the, the technology and, the, and unfortunately this pandemic is just making them more and more individual. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And less and less about the, you know, the community more and more about themselves. Uh, which is a, you know, something else entirely. Uh, we won't go into that. Uh, we'll just <laughs> keep it light. <laughs> that's a whole nother episode. Right. Uh, and that's it for today, actually. Uh, we have a lot more in store for you coming up, but uh, that's it for today, right? Any last words, Alex? You know, um, no, I think we covered it all. And like you said, there's a lot more we could have gone into, but that can be a whole future event. Um, I think I think we've done good today. Good. Mr. Bellata. Me too. You know, you can find us uh, wherever you find and love and give five-star ratings to your podcast. Thank you. <laughs> I was told to say that. It's, uh, you know, very sorry I had to do it. Uh, and also you can find us at bolata.com. That's B-O-L-L-O-T-A.com. Just go there and click on the contact us button and let us know what you think. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for joining us today. And uh, we'll see you next time on Bolatified.
we have a very, very special, uh, exciting, tremendous escapade that uh, Alex and I are about to go on. We have gotten Mrs. Claus to agree to allow us into Santa's virtual world. So we're gonna bring we're gonna bring him in virtually. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Santa. Christmas. Hi Santa. Hello. How are you? Oh, we're doing really good, you know. We are. We were just a little concerned that we wouldn't be able to see you this year, so we're really, no really excited. Like you have a connection on Zoom. You have right. a connection. You have a way to get in touch with me. So how about a famous ho 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 to? <laughs> Merry Christmas! <laughs> thank you, Santa. I have chills. Thank you. Hey, thank you. Love you, Santa. Love you all. <laughs> 